Hello, hello. Welcome to Talk To Me About Food. This episode is one in a mini-series about a range of soups from different food traditions that are suggested, prescribed, maybe even sometimes foisted on someone feeling under the weather. Feels like we've been walking in a fog of queasy uncertainty since the abrupt arrival of the first COVID-19 strain three years ago. It's been a no-winner tug-of-war between humanity and virus. A steady onslaught of coronavirus mutations in league with perennial, also shape-shifting viruses we're more familiar with has kept us on our toes all year without a break, it seems. COVID deaths are down, fortunately, but I worry about every cough I hear at work or a pedestrian sneeze that might reach me, a snuffling of a person sitting next to me on the plane. It's in this state of uneasiness, tinged with occasional paranoia about contracting a cold, flu, some sort of respiratory infection, that I started wondering about the power of food to cure, to heal, to provide comfort to us when we're in the throes of coughing and congestion, sneezing, fever, and all the associated symptoms of being under the weather. Soup is the first thing that comes to mind. Hot soup. At its core, hot soup transforms the thermal energy of a burning ember or stovetop gas into additional liquid calories that warm our innards and clear our passages. This balming benefit is the bedrock of a hot soup. Then come the goodies we cook in the water. Chicken soup tops the list for me and many, if not most of us. I marvel over chicken soup in another podcast. In this episode, I consider a basic udon soup. Where it's the bounty of the land that nourishes a chicken, it's the bounty of the ocean and sea washing up on every millimeter of Japan's coastline that infuses udon with its curative power. A basic udon soup has two main ingredients, a dashi, or fish stock, and udon noodles. The recipe for making dashi also calls for two main ingredients, kelp and skipjack tuna. Simple recipes, but not simple ingredients, especially if you want a more flavorful soup and possibly more potent udon noodle soup. Mark Matsumoto is a private chef, culinary consultant, and TV host with a base of clients around the world. He grew up and worked for a time in the U.S., but is now based in Tokyo. He has a website, norecipes.com, that teaches you basic cooking techniques but also offers a a range of recipes from different cuisines with a skew to Japanese food, including a basic dashi and udon noodle varieties. Mark talked me through the not-so-simple ingredients in a really good traditional dashi and how they work together to create a nourishing flavor we crave and might need more of when we've got a cold or flu. The other major component is the dashi. So dashi just means stock, soup stock in Japanese. Um, and again, depending on where you are in Japan, you make dashi using different ingredients. But the most typical uh, type of dashi is made using kombu, which is uh, an edible kelp. And that's where you get a lot of glutamate. Um, you may have heard the term glutamate from monosodium glutamate, but uh, kombu is actually where it was first derived from. It's a naturally occurring MSG, basically, in kombu. So it gives umami to the soup. Um, and then the flavor component of the soup, as well as the umami, comes from katsuobushi. It's a shaved skipjack tuna, but the skipjack tuna has first been steamed and then um, smoked for like two or three weeks. 
and then it's dried and then it's um, inoculated with a type of aspergillus. It's a, it's a type of mold uh, that uh, develops the flavors and then it's, it's, it's um, fermented after that. So it's a very, by the end of the process, it's like a block of wood and it's shaved on a, on a plane. It's like literally a plane that you'd normally use for woodworking, um, <laughs> but you, you shave it into very, very thin flakes. And that's kind of, it's the, um, if you've ever had like okonomiyaki, the Japanese pancake, you see the little flakes dancing on top. That's katsobushi, uh, but that's also the main ingredient in dashi. And it gives it a rich sort of smoky umami flavor uh, and, and umami taste. Um, and the reason why the kombu, which has the glutamate, pairs so well with uh, katsobushi is because katsobushi has uh, a compound. It's a nucleic acid. I don't, I don't want to dive too deep down the no, rabbit hole okay, here, but, okay. but basically, um, you know, we have taste buds on our tongue that tell us when something's salty, something sweet, something sour, when something's sour, bitter. Yeah. But we yeah. also have taste buds that register the taste of umami. So it's that sort yeah. of savory, lingering, sort of sweet and, and salty taste that you, you um, sense. And the reason why we have those taste buds is because umami comes from amino acids and nucleic acids. These are the building blocks of proteins. So to build our bodies, we need protein. And before, you know, we had dietitians and nutritionists, humans ate what they felt like eating and what they craved. And those cravings come from things that our bodies need. Uh, so uh, long story short, basically humans crave umami and, uh, and Katsobushi and kombu are sort of a short route to get there because they um, they have sort of this magical combination of a nucleic acid and an amino acid that synergize on your tongue. So basically one plus one equals five. So when you wow. combine those two pieces together, you get more than the sum of their parts in terms of how your brain registers that flavor or the, the taste. Mark goes on to explain how the udon noodle is another building block on top of dashi. I've talked enough. Let me let me ask you. Maybe we start with udon, and sure. tell me what makes for like a really good udon, and then I'll have some follow ups if that's okay. Yeah. So um, so udon is uh, it's a noodle soup, and uh, there are different types of udon from different regions of Japan. Typically, udon is a wheat based noodle, um, and you know in Akita Prefecture they have a much thinner. Uh, style noodle so it's almost like the thickness of a ramen noodle uh but it's it's made with wheat without uh, uh the alkali agent that turns the noodle yellow so it's a white noodle mm. uh and then you know you have uh, uh from shikoku which is uh sort of an island um off the south south yeah inside of japan yeah. um a much thicker style of noodle uh and then you have you know sort of sub variants of udon like uh hoto which is a very very thick it's almost like a belt thickness uh kind of wow. udon um but yeah typically udon tend is a wheat noodle noodle typically udon is a wheat noodle that tends to be a little bit thicker than uh than your average noodle um so that's one component you've got to have really good noodles uh, you know the best noodles are obviously handmade um the idea is to get out a lot of this or develop the gluten content in the in the wheat so you get a really nice mm. chew um kind of an al dente springy texture to it in J in japanese we call it mochi mochi the texture um because like it's mochi. similar to mochi you know the, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. that kind of chewy springy texture the soup becomes your soup or the soup you grew up with the comfort food you're looking for when you've got a cold 
or flu, depending on what kind of udon noodles you use and what else you throw into the pot. A beaten egg, a carrot, a radish, maybe a dash of ginger. But, as Mark points out, the few simple ingredients that go into udon noodle soup make the soup work from a quote-unquote curative standpoint, and it's the fact that there are just three easy-to-digest ingredients that make the basic udon soup what folks turn to when they're sick. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think this is a philosophical point too. Treat this disturbance, this imbalance in your body and spirit with a light touch. Encourage with a simple recipe. Catalyze the return to balance, but don't overwhelm the system that already knows how to correct itself. Keep it simple. Soup. This notion applies to okayu, a rice porridge that's made with dashi that many Japanese also turn to in similar situations. There couldn't be anything much simpler to make and more familiar to them to eat. Nanakusugayu is a special okayu made at the first of the year for a very specific reason. In Japan, uh, you know, New Year's is the, is the big holiday. It's like Thanksgiving meets uh, Christmas. You know, all the families get together and you have, uh, you know, you have a sort of an elaborate meal and there's a, there's sort of a, a ritual around that. But inevitably that ends up in a lot of sort of gluttony. You eat a lot and you drink a lot. And so, you know, and, and this is, it's not just on the first. It's like, it starts like on the 31st and kind of extends to about the 3rd of January. So you've got this kind of period of gluttony. Plus, you know, you, that's the traditional holiday, but you add sort of Western Christmas, which is uh, another excuse to have a party and drink. And, and you've got this kind of like a uh, stretch of, you know, things that are bad for you. So on January 7th, um, there's a type of okayu. It's called nanakusagayu. So it literally means seven weed uh, porridge. And, uh, and this is something that's thought to sort of um, cleanse your system. Uh, you know, it's uh, and in the case of nanakusagayu, the the traditional way to make it is basically just water, you know, rice, and those seven uh, types of they're called weeds, but they're basically herbs. Um, and it kind of varies from region to region what the seven are, but they're usually like sprouts. Like in January, on January seventh, like unless you live really far south, there's no plants growing. So right. usually they're like, they're a little bit bigger than sprouts, but you know, it's like kind of like baby leaves. Um, and so it's things like turnips, turnip leaves, daikon leaves, um, really small ones. Um, uh, steady, which is a kind of um, uh, uh, herb that it's kind of like watercress. Uh, and so you, you, you've got a, a variation of sort of herbs that add this very sort of green, um, fresh flavor to the rice. Um, and I think it's sort of, some people hate it because it's like, it tastes healthy. Uh, and then other people sort of, it's like, it's a nice way to sort of reset and, uh, and, you know, to, to really kind of, and, and the seventh is kind of like when the, the holiday, the new year's holiday ends. Uh, so it's like, okay, let's get back to reality and, uh, and, and, uh, get healthy. No doubt there could be a role for this seven weed rice porridge right around new year's time in the U S too. And after the Super Bowl and St. Patrick's Day, 
Easter, July 4th, and so on. Rice, maybe even rice porridge for some Americans, is a familiar feel-better food. But after talking to Mark, I started wondering whether the flavors of dashi, made with kelp and smoked fermented skipjack shavings, could be relatable enough to make okayu or udon noodle soup a comfort food, a feel-better soup like chicken noodle soup. So I made an udon noodle soup at home. The Asian grocery store had pricey kombu and katsuoboshi, so I didn't have to settle for dried and powdered versions. The noodles were frozen, so not ideal, but I'm sure serviceable. I will say I was hesitant to open the bags. We seldom make seafood at home. I'm somewhat accustomed to the briny odor of the fresh shrimp we put on the grill or into a pesto pasta, but what would fermented ingredients from the sea smell like? The smell and taste of kombu, the kelp, and katsuoboshi, the tuna shavings, were not at all familiar, but not unpleasant. They piqued my curiosity. I felt like I was tapping into a vein of flavor and texture that I should, as a human being, have struck before. The resulting dashi and udon soup tasted somewhat authentic, something similar to what I've had at a restaurant, but not as good as it could have been and not nearly as good as what I remember from growing up in Japan. I am embarrassed. I obviously should be much more familiar with all of this. Setting that aside, I am left wondering whether I would make udon noodle instead of chicken noodle soup for myself or my family at the first sniffle or sneeze. There is something as primordial about udon soup, maybe something even more elemental about the seafood stock than a chicken stock. That's a plus. If I stop and think about it, I do appreciate the time and care put into katsuoboshi. It feels precious, almost like you're being spoiled when you use it. By boiling it into a dashi, you're being taken care of when you need it most. An artisan out there has not just developed flavor for your soup, they're also bringing out the most beneficial nourishing elements. Also a plus. These benefits maybe seem too conceptual to really factor into the decision to make udon soup one of the curative soup go-tos. Then again, we enjoy a lot of conceptual benefits associated with what's put on the plate in front of us. Farm to table doesn't necessarily always taste better, but we feel better for supporting locally grown fresher foods. A deconstructed dish at a progressive restaurant certainly is a conceptual construction and one that we likely pay more for. So, try making dashi and udon soup. It is easy. It is hot. The chewy noodles are hearty. The broth is salty and bursting with umami. Judge for yourself. I'm exploring additional feel-better soups and invite you to join me on another Talk To Me About Food episode. Thank <laughs> you.